This morning, we have three of our own coming to speak to us, and this is one of my favorite mornings all year because it's so fun to hear from you guys. Um, first up, we have Maria Riley, who's one of our table leaders. Um, Maria is a mom of four daughters. Regina is seven, and then she has twin five-year-olds, Hope and Bailey, and then a three-year-old, Charlie. Um, they've lived in Bloomington for about 18 months. So welcome to Bloomington. And just this year, she went back to work um, two days a week at the preschool here at Sherwood Oaks. She's kind of lived all over the place, so she's got some stories to tell. Um, But most of her childhood was in San Antonio, Texas. So let's welcome Maria. Thank you. So I had like a super classic mom moment uh, today and absolutely forgot my notes. So I show up and I'm like, oops, okay, what can I find? So I found Charlie's adorable cookie jar in my car and wrote my notes on it. So you guys get to enjoy her artwork while I get through what I need to say. Um, So thanks for bearing with me for that. Um, I want to tell you guys this is this is a, it's a sad story, um, but it has a really happy ending. Um, and also, I just want to let all of you moms know that I am going to be talking about miscarriage. And so if that's a sensitive thing for any of you, I just wanted to you know, give you guys a little bit of a heads up so you could kind of prepare yourselves. Um, but I stand before you as a healed whole woman, um, but for a long time, I was not. Uh, my childhood was super uneventful. My parents stayed married, like, we grew up with faith, and I had three brothers who made fun of me a lot, like, we moved, it was not anything really dramatic, I met an amazing man out of school, got married, got pregnant right away, which was the plan, had a full-term pregnancy, and that was how we got our daughter, Gina, Um, sweet, sweet little Gina, tiny little thing, we were living in Colorado at the time, um, and when Gina was three weeks old, my father got diagnosed with leukemia, Um, and so we started dealing with that. And then uh, a couple months later, I found out that I was pregnant again, super excited. Everything was healthy. Everything was fine. And I lost my son at 15 weeks, which was really very challenging, um, a very traumatic event. So I had to deal with the trauma of what had happened to me and then also um, the reality of of losing a son, which was really hard, of course. Um, So a month after that, my grandmother died. Um, And then two months after that, My husband got a new job, and we had to move from Colorado to Ohio, which I was not excited about. Um, (laughs) The Midwest, like, say what? So so we started moving, and uh, we started trying again because the doctor had cleared us to. Um, And the day that I arrived in Ohio, I found that I was pregnant again, and I was just so excited. Like, wow, like, what a blessing. This is a sign. Like, this is awesome. I'm so excited. Like, I don't want to be in Ohio, but, like, if, if a positive pregnancy test the day you arrive in a new city is not a good sign, like, I don't know what is. Um, but so a few weeks after that, on my son's due date, um, my mom called and said, your dad's declining. And if you want to see him again, come now. And so we did. So Gina and I hopped on plane, and we got there, and I got to see him. I got to hug him. I got to pray with him. And two of my brothers and my mom and I were all with him for his last breath, and death is never fun and it's it's never good but it was it was as beautiful as it could be and I feel so grateful for the moments and the memories and the experiences that we got to have um but so I was pregnant and I still I needed to get back to Ohio so we went back to Ohio and went to the doctor and everything's good and everything's fine and then I go back and um and then they couldn't find a heartbeat and we went and had an ultrasound and so that baby who was a girl, um, she stopped growing at about 12 and a half weeks. Um, and so, so then I was like, okay, all right, like, whoo, this is, this is really tough. I'm, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. We're just going to adopt. So we went to a couple of adoption agencies and had some crazy sticker shock. Like domestic adoption is so expensive. And I still believe that I could carry another baby because I had, like, I had, I had a pregnancy, I had a delivery, I had a healthy baby, and we didn't have that kind of money, um, so I thought, okay, we're going to foster, and so this will, this will be great, because it'll, it'll keep me busy, I will be able to serve and love these children who need a place to live temporarily, and you know how they always say, like, oh, when you're pregnant, like, or when you stop trying to get pregnant, like, that's when you'll get pregnant, and so I thought, like, when I'm, like, fostering all these kids and I'm, like, super busy, like, that's when my baby's going to live. Like, when I don't have the time to, like, stress about a pregnancy every single day because I'm, like, so overwhelmed, 
that that's when it's going to work out. So we started the licensing process, and during that, um, we conceived again, and we conceived twins, um, and they did not make it either. One, one early on, and then um, the second one, her heartbeat stopped around 10 weeks, and so I've had three consecutive babies with heartbeats that have not made it. And so then we got licensed, and we got placed um, with twins, 11-month-old 11, 11 twins, and life got crazy, y'all going from like one to three, but one to three where they're toddlers and moving and active and screaming, like life was crazy. And I was busy and overwhelmed and stressed and grieving and, and not really well equipped to handle this. And I did not have a great support network in Ohio. I don't have family there or really anything. And so, so we just kind of, you know, kept on, kept on. And so we knew that the twins were not going to be forever. Um, there was extended family and stuff that we're trying to get custody, and so, so we still wanted to try for a, a biological child, and so um, we went this time under the care of a reproductive endocrinologist, and um, conceived again, and um, then I was, you know, having blood tests and like all that stuff done, and then I found out I got a phone call that blood work was not what it needed to be, and I was going to lose that pregnancy as well, and this was very early on, um, but still like just just so hard. Um, then we got home that day, and then the social worker came over and told us that the twins' biological aunt got approved for custody, and they were going to leave two days later. And that was the day that I broke. Um, and so that was the day that my prayers changed. So I've, I've always known and loved God. Um, and every day since before I conceived Gina, I prayed for a healthy baby, healthy children. Um, and that day, I, I just turned it over to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I, I can't. You can't send me another child if I can't carry another child. And that was, like, the hardest, saddest, like, most empty day of my life to stop praying for what I had always, always wanted But the Lord started my healing that day. I, I had to break. I had to give up. I had to let go of that hope. And I had to turn it over to him. And then I, I began to heal. And so two weeks later, we got a phone call from the foster agency. And I looked at the phone and I said, oh my gosh, like, I'm not ready for another foster child. Like, I, I can't right now. Like, I, I just can't. And but I answered the phone anyway, and I said, "Okay, we'll just like we'll see what it is, and we'll pray on it." Like I'm not sure if I'm ready for this. And they said, "The twins are coming back into foster care. Their aunt can't handle it, and um, she asked them to be taken back into care. And your home is still empty. Would you take the twins back?" And we said, "Yes." Like I didn't even have to call my husband to ask him. Like, yes, absolutely. And so they came back to us two days later, just as fast as they had left, um, and they haven't left us since. And so we, after that point, decided to take a long time off from trying. Like, I needed to not think about every day and every month, are we trying? And am I going to spot today? And, you know, what's going on with, you know, whatever? And so, so we did, you know, birth control and just focused on the three kids that we had. And they were, they were plenty and super busy. And fostering, of course, is really intense, too. And there's extra appointments and, like, so much else going on. Um, and so about a year later, then we found out that the twins, um, the twins' dad was working towards getting them back, and they said, you know, be prepared. He's probably going to get them back. And so I said, oh, my God, like, I can't go back to having an only child. Like, I, I cannot do this. And so my husband and I talked, and we decided to simultaneously open up our house for a foster baby, zero to six-month-old, no, no health issues, and try for another baby. So I said five miscarriages, and then I'm done. Um, so this was going to be our last one, and so um, so we decided to try, and and in less than two weeks, about ten days, we got the phone call about Charlie, and Charlie, she was two months old, um, but she, uh, we were going to be her fourth home at at two months. She had been through a lot, um, but they wanted an adoptive home because she was already going that direction with her case, and we were so excited. And so then I had my baby, and I was so happy. And mentally preparing and grieving, losing the twins again. And then their father um, came to court and said, I can't do it. You guys are amazing. And you've loved my kids. If I sign over rights, will you adopt them? 
and we said yes. And so we didn't even have to fight him. It still took another nine months to finalize the adoption because it's foster care. Um, but, but then we were able to keep them too. And so then there I was, done with having pregnancies anymore. And all of a sudden, raising four daughters less than four years apart. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> this was not the plan. Like... I will have multiple years of four teenage girls in my house, and it's going to be awesome. I mean, like, I'm not even worried about it because, like, how blessed am I to have that problem? And our family is, is terrifically typical. Like, it is like I go to parent-teacher conferences, and I travel out of state without having to check in with people. And most people who know me, like, to look at Charlie, most people assume that she is adopted, but the twins look just like my husband. And, you know, I get to move to Bloomington and say, like, these are my four kids, not I'm a foster mom, these are my foster kids, and, like, maybe they're going to go back, and maybe they're going to stay. And it's like, my family's like, this is, this is my family. And the journey to get here was so hard. Guys, I broke. I cried. I mourned. I was empty. I resented the foster children. I resented the foster children's parents who their babies lived and they couldn't take care of them. I hated my body because something was wrong with me and I couldn't do it. I hated my husband because he didn't hurt like I did. Because when you miscarry, it is the most intimate experience because you're the only one who knows that baby and my husband could just get up and go to work the next day and I was left home empty like physically empty and emotionally empty and just just so broken and when I was going through this years years of just like loss after loss after loss I I could not I could not see the end I could not I could not see hope I could not see that I was, I was going to be whole again, and I stand before you today as a whole woman, a happy mom, who, yes, is exhausted and stressed out and can't even remember her notes. Like, I've been, like, stressing about this talk for, like, weeks and don't even remember to grab those today. Um, and I can look back and I can see the blessing of, like, of course we were meant to be in Ohio. Like, that's where I met and adopted three of my children. Like, of course we were meant to be there. And I was not excited about moving to, to Bloomington either. It's like another new place where I don't have people and I, I don't have family. I don't have that support. And I don't know why we're here. And I don't know how long we're going to be here. But to be able to just turn that over to the Lord and say, like, okay, like, we're here. We'll do this. And, and I will continue to serve him. Um, and I just feel so grateful for that hope that I had that I would carry another baby because if I had thought, or if I had known, if the doctors had found something, that I wasn't going to have another child, I would have done a private adoption. Like, we wouldn't have gone to foster care. But because I had that strength and that hope, we became foster parents. Because that was just a, a temporary thing. I was just going to take care of somebody else's kids and send them back. Like, I really believe in reunification and in supporting biological families. Um, and, and so here I am. Just like, I had, I had no idea what I was going through. And so if you are going through something or have gone through something, some tremendous loss, whether it's a miscarriage or the loss of a relationship or someone that you love or a marriage that's not what you expected and what you hoped and wherever you are, I would just like to encourage you to seek out people. I saw a counselor multiple times um, to help me heal. Um, find friends. If you guys need to cry with someone, your table leaders know how to get a hold of me, and I would be happy to come over and cry with you because it is, it's so hard, and I know how hard it is, but it, it does get better with time. Um, and I'm able to see blessings like how grateful I am that my dad waited until I was a stay-at-home mom to get cancer. Like, it's hard that my kids don't know him and will never really get to know him, but I got to travel to Texas all the time with my lap infant and see him and, and be with him. And my daughter got to bring him so much joy when he was going through such a miserable time in his life. Um, and that's, that's a beautiful blessing that I can look back on and smile and not, not just have that anger anymore. And so anyway, if you, guys, if you guys are there or have been there or need to support someone who has been there, then just reach out because it's, it's the best thing that you could possibly do. Thank you for hearing my story. Thank you so much, Maria. <clears throat> Next, we have Kathy McCoy. And, oops, sorry, I 
I keep doing this with my phone, guys. Um, Kathy was born and raised in Northern California, and she married Doug, who was a Bloomington native, and apparently he dragged you here of the two options. They chose Bloomington. And uh, almost 31 years ago, and together they've raised three children and started a small business here in Bloomington. Um, They've attended Sherwood Oaks here uh, for 25 years. And uh, she has a passion for reading, learning, and sharing info, especially relating to helping fellow moms and uh, young moms and women eager to grow and lead uh, in their faith with their families. So we are fortunate to have her as a mentor mom and to have her speak here today. So let's welcome Kathy. I'm afraid I'll drop this, so I'm going to set it up. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Okay. Thanks, Beth, for asking me. Um, It's nice after raising high school kids to... uh, be asked for my opinion and thoughts, <laughs> and you guys might might want to hear it. <laughs> um, so I'm going to take my glasses off. I'm not used to wearing them. I can read my notes better this way. Um, so I asked Beth. I'm like, well, what would the ladies like to hear? Because um, you know, when you get older, you have lots and lots of stories. But you know, I, I would like to say something that might be helpful to you. And she said, well, share. Um, some experiences where God got you through some hard things. So immediately in my mind, three things popped up. And I had oodles of notes, but I'm going to try and prune it down so I don't overwhelm you. Um, But there were three things. When I moved from California to Indiana, that was a tough one. Um, Second one was raising kids and launching them. Yes, that's like a 25-year period. But (laughs) that was big, and I I can boil it down to how God helped me through that. And then the last one is the empty... Uh, empty nest stage and caregiving stage, which I didn't expect. So to start with the first one, um, moving from California to Indiana. That was my home state. My family was there. I still had two uh, younger siblings at home. I was the oldest daughter of five kids. Um, But I met my soulmate. We couldn't stop talking, decided to get married, and off I went. And his joke was, he says, well, it's really good for your skin there. There's a lot of humidity in Indiana. (laughs) So every year I still remind him of that. This was supposed to be good for my skin. So anyway. Um, So but making that permanent decision to move 3,000 miles from my family was its one thing to say. It's another thing to do it. Um, So when I did it and I moved in the winter, really bad idea. Um, I still remember crashing my Honda on North Dunn Street because there was an ice storm which I'd never heard of. In in California, it snows, it goes away, you all go skiing, it's beautiful, it's perfect. That's not what happens here. So, um, and the other thing is when I moved here, he was finishing up law school, I had already finished up graduate school, so I was sort of on hold. Um, That was another thing that made it very difficult because I was just sort of waiting for our life to start, and I knew nobody other than Doug and his parents, Um, and I saw way too much of them. Initially, you know how it is. <laughs> yeah, really, they see you this often. I, you know, and I was, I was very independent. I was living three hours away from my parents because I had a job and I was going to school, and so I was kind of used to being separated and having some independence. So, needless to say, I won't describe all the details, but um, I had a hard time, and so uh, Doug had suggested I meet with his pastor, which I didn't grow up as in a Christian family, so that was new to me. But I'm like, okay, that'll help. So I met with the pastor, and he taught me the biblical subject of leaving and cleaving. And if you've never heard that, it's basically, okay, put your girl pants on, and you're married, and it's now about you and your husband. You know, I mean, it makes sense that you're basically mourning what you left, but it's all about where you're going now. So that was really helpful. It kind of recalibrated my brain, and I'm like, okay, I got this. And what helped is, you know, within months we moved to Indy, got jobs, uh, joined a church, and uh, made some just beautiful friends who had Christian marriages. And I'd never really seen that modeled, and so they just embraced me, treated me like they'd known me forever. Um, That was huge. And so they they basically modeled for me what it looked like to live um, out a Christian life with a hope and faith, and that was really, really cool. And we're still friends today. They're just fabulous people. So in that situation, God worked through people. as he often does, through the pastor and through my new friends, he gave me direction and connection in my new life. And that was huge at that time. 
So the big period, and this would be picture number one. I, I brought a few pictures that I thought. I've never actually done this, so this will be cool to see. <laughs> so that's my sweet family in what I call uh, the wonder years. No diapers, no teenagers. It was just a blast. I mean, it was a blast through the whole thing, but that was just, like, it just you know, all like, okay, what are we going to do today? And it was just so much fun. And we host a parade in our neighborhood, and that was one of the things we did. We'd have a fire truck come and give uh, rides to all the kids after our parade. So anyway, that was just a, a wonderful thing. But I say that because you've probably heard the phrase, the days are long, but the years are short. And the older you get, the more true that is. So we went into parenting with, we want to be very intentional with this time with our kids. It's going to fly by like that, and we want to do the best we can. And... Um, Doug and I had both come from a significant amount of dysfunction. That was probably why we couldn't stop talking, because when we met, we're like, you did that too? Oh my gosh, you had that too? <laughs> um, so we tried to uh, catapult off of that and make it better. We wanted to sort of create a new legacy for our kids, and our goal was to raise happy, purposeful, productive, and fully functioning adults. Like, they could actually leave the house, take care of themselves, and come back and still love us, and, you know, the whole thing would work well. That was our goal. So as a young mom, not growing up with that, I was hungry for the truth. And I still remember calling Elsie Ellsworth and saying, is there a Bible study? Is there a Bible study? I mean, I could not wait for that Bible study to start. And it was in the transition of when they moved here. I think when I called her, it was still over on Winslow. Um, anyway, so that was like 25 years ago. I've been doing Bible study and just trying to soak up as much wisdom as I could to raise our children well, to have a strong marriage. Um, and another thing that I did is I did a lot of journaling. For me, I like the physical act of writing. To me, it's like pouring my heart out on a page. I have probably 20 of them because I just fill them up. And every day, it's like, what am I thankful for and what am I praying for? And just pouring out to God, help me. How do I do this? Because I don't have a clue. Um, and just also just soaking up, you know, God, where do you want me to be? Where should I be putting my time? What should we be doing? Um, and, of course, being two type A people together and doers, we created a family mission statement for our family, and we framed it, and we put it up. <laughs> I am not kidding. And we poured over many iterations of that, and we wanted our kids to be interdependent and independent, not just, okay, love you, see you. We wanted to be able to work well together. And so that sort of gave us the vision of where we were headed and what we wanted, and, and we, it's still hanging in our family room, and our kids see it. You know, and that's like, yep, that's why we're setting boundaries on you. We want to be fun fully functioning. We don't want you to be, you know, not be able to take care of yourself. Um, more than anything, we wanted our kids to know God and understand that he has a purpose for their lives. Um, we spent tons of time encouraging our kids, uh, cheering them on. They're involved in a lot of things, volunteering at their schools, participating. Uh, you know, a friend once told me, you guys are like 24-7. We're like, yeah, well, why, why wouldn't you be 24-7? You're responsible for these human beings. God's given you that. You are their steward. Um, and, of course, we love it. I, we love kids, and we loved our kids. Um, part of our strategy was to keep them busy doing good things so they don't have time to get into bad things. Not a bad strategy. Um, they learn great life skills through their sports and their activities, and they learned about themselves. Um, and one other thing we tried to do is really build community around our kids so they saw a consistency between our home, our church, their school, and their relationships. I mean, you can't control everything, but you can try to build some consistency and so they kind of know what those boundaries are and what that looks like. Um, even doing all of that, we had some tough times with high school. High school's tough. Um, it's hard to raise godly children in an ungodly culture. It just is. And it's so pervasive. Uh, we prayed for discernment for us and for them. And uh, you might want to memorize this one. Um, we reminded them often of Matthew 10:16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Be innocent as a dove, but shrewd as a snake. Our kids, um, partly because of how we raised them, were so pure-hearted. Then we were concerned, like, oh, no, we need to make them street smart, too. You know? <laughs> It's like, you know, you're so innocent. Oh, sure, you can come with us. Sure, you know. So we were, but we just kept saying, be innocent as a dove. Do no harm, but take no flack. You know, make sure you are having your eyes open because there are a lot of things lurking out there and you have to be wise um, with where you are. So um, there was a time when our eldest, Caitlin, was getting ready to become a senior. And, you know, you have one of these mom moments. You're like, have I told her everything she needs to know? 
I mean, for me, my hardest time was between graduating from high school and getting married. It was like a minefield because I didn't have those boundaries and sort of that vision of what I was doing. Um, so, of course, I was, <clears throat> I love to read anyway. <coughs> so I read a lot of the Christian launching books, you know, the five conversations you must have with your daughter. Um, what's the other one? Uh, Fish Without Water, that's a great book, by the way. Um, but I read the book um, Raising a Modern Day Princess, and it absolutely inspired me. So I wanted to have some sort of closure um, before we launched her out. So anyway, after reading that book, I was inspired, so I put together a little seminar um, for her and some of her friends that had gone to church with her and that you know were all basically trying to live the same uh, Christian life and um, made a booklet. with. And so we talked about identity, faith, true friends, relationships, what do you want to look for in a husband, think about it up front, um, uh, just in a dis spiritual discipline, and even etiquette, because I don't know if we'd really covered that very well at our house. <laughs> we were pretty casual, so um, anyway, so I gathered the girls together, we had sort of this seminar, we, I had videos, we talked about things, and it was just a beautiful thing to see them come together and really talk about um, who they are, what they admired in each other, um, what they wanted in true friendship. Um, what they really wanted in a mate, um, and just sort of that preparing, kind of girding them before we sent them out. And the cool part was then we invited their families and their siblings over to our home, and we had a dinner, and we had a ceremony. Um, the dads gave a blessing over each of the girls um, where they just basically honored them, which was beautiful. And it was just a really neat thing. So since it worked, and she was our first child, so she was really compliant. <laughs> She was like, oh, this is cool. Um, so anyway, with our son, he, he willingly did it. And my son, or my husband, led it following the Raising a Modern Day Night. So that's a cool book, too, very similar to the, the female version. And then with my younger daughter, because she has a very different personality, we altered it a little bit so it would fit with her and her friends. And it was just really neat to see some of the kids, her friends, just open up. Like, they just loved it. So that was really neat, too, because... I felt like it was just a beautiful thing to have them sort of growing up together and deciding right then, well, who am I going to be when I'm off at college? You know, when my parents aren't watching, who am I going to be? What decisions am I going to make? So anyway, so through that large span of raising and launching kids, God helped us to have many teachable moments, lots of memorable experiences. We had a lot of fun. Um, but I will say for Doug and I, we began praying together. And not just individually, but we began praying together when those challenges came. So I would encourage you to start that now. We weren't that smart. Um, we prayed, but we didn't pray together specifically because it really bonds you together. It, it grows you closer as a team in being unified in what you want for your kids. Um, and one other thing, I just noted that this morning because I wanted to make sure I said that. We respected each other on what each of us brought to our family. And we, and I would encourage you to recognize that and really fortify that. God helped me see my value and what I brought to our kids, what skills I brought to running our family, um, helping out with our business, um, what my leanings were, what my perspective is. Because there's going to be different times where your kids want your perspective and maybe not your husband's perspective. And, and that's valuable. Um, so... Anyway, just want to make sure you know that. Um, so the last stage, empty nest caregiving stage, is where I still am. And this is, I would say, is like life comes at you fast. I did not see this coming. I should have, but I didn't. Um, right when we were sending off our middle child off to college um, and still had Anna at home, she was about a sophomore in high school, all our parents' health declined quickly. Um, my mother-in-law got Alzheimer's. My father-in-law quickly followed with dementia. My mother-in-law passed away, or my mom passed away, who was out in California. So, of course, I was dealing with guilt and mourning because I couldn't get there fast enough. Um, this, I called this the whack-a-mole period. <laughs> you know that game? Because it was just every day was crazy, just crazy, because basically you had human beings who were older, that you had to view in a different way. All of a sudden, it was sort of like having preschoolers in their home. They couldn't, they had to be kept safe. And, um, and I was also dealing with my husband who wanted to honor his mom's desire to be at home. 
yet I was always the one out in front of it going, okay, what's this look like? What's going to happen next? What do they need? Putting grab bars all over the house, changing the shower. Can they drive anymore? No, they can't drive. Then they're mad at me because I took the keys away. You know, I mean, it was just crazy, but we just were getting through it. Um, it was fraught with chaos and demands and emergencies every day. Um, just to give you one example, and that started in probably 2013. In 2016, we were being pulled in every direction because our daughter was, wanted to get married. Imagine that. And so we planned her wedding. I helped her do that. It was a wonderful thing. Um, that was in April. My son was on the IU tennis team. It was Big Ten season, so we were trying to squeeze in when they get married within his matches. So I'm not kidding. The wedding weekend was they had a rehearsal lunch because he had a match that afternoon and then we had the wedding he had that day off and then the next day a lot of us went to watch his match again so and then our youngest was graduating from high school and finishing up her senior season so there was like all these great things you want to do at the same time we were trying to manage these parents that were still living in a house and not really safe and had to have a lot of care so we had systems of caregivers when we couldn't be there and people to get them out of the house and anyway it was long and complicated so um, I forgot to put up one thing. Can you put up number two real quick? So this is going to look kind of weird, and I should have mentioned this sooner. But remember when I talked about praying and journaling and when I was just, you know, trying to teach our kids basically scripture and what they need to do to live the way, you know, we hope? This is the door going out to our garage. <laughs> I put these up probably 16 years ago. They're still there. But it's scripture, and on the very one on the top, I'm not even sure I can read it right now because of my glasses, but um, it's basically pray and then get on your feet and work. You know, so it's like I wanted our kids to be reminded and us to be reminded, so, and I'm a very visual learner. So I just thought you'd find that sort of entertaining. But, I mean, I just put it everywhere. It's like, okay, this is, this is the path. This is what we want for everybody. So you can go to picture number three now. Okay. So they all grew up, and it all turns out okay. Um, we get through that very, very busy season. And, again, I think about how did God help me. God helped me, again, through friends in my Bible study, Suzanne Fusen. She knows she's in my Bible study. I could not have gotten through that crazy period without them going, how should mother and father-in-law. How are you doing? How's the wedding coming? I mean, just for someone to go, I hear you and I see you, and I know life is crazy, and it's going to be okay. I mean, sometimes you just need someone to just see you and say that. Um, and praying and journaling, for me, helped me keep the right attitude. You know, there were times where you're like, uh, I'm the daughter-in-law? Uh, why am I doing all this? And there were other people, but they were not other people who would do it. And they weren't other people who had the ability to do it or the time to do it. So I'm thankful for that. And um, so keeping the right attitude helped to be, get through it as well. Um, and I also see that God prepared me and made me for that time to serve and in that way. Truly, there was no one else in his family that would have done the things I was doing. And at one point, I had to um, get their house ready to sell. I cleaned out that horse house of 60 years in four days because I just got in, and my husband tried to help one afternoon, and I'm like, uh-uh, this is going to work. Okay, <laughs> go through and take out anything you think is special. Other than that, I'm going to identify what I think is special. We had it boxed up, took it to storage, gave a lot away. But it had to be done, and we needed to uh, get it done quickly. So anyway, uh, just a few last things. So the reading God's Word was huge in that it helped me sort of keep perspective on how this is, light and momentary troubles. This would pass, but this was a season that was critical for our family. You know, we so much wanted to do the right thing for them and the right thing for our kids. So we had to really work as a team and just go, okay, what needs to be done today? What do we have to do? How do you need my support? And one of my favorite scriptures has become Colossians 4.2, pray and be watchful. I am not kidding. I, it seemed like God was always one step ahead of the mess. I would look at it and go, how are we going to do that? and with this timing, and we want to be there for our kids. I mean, at one point, and I know you'll appreciate this, um, my husband was like, we should sell our house and get a different house so my parents can come live with us, and we'll take care of them. And I'm like, holy cow, we've been in this house for like 25 years. It's where we've raised our kids. That really wasn't my plan. And not only that, I was 
the one researching what Alzheimer's and dementia look like, and I knew that we would do that for a few years, and then we'd be in a house that wasn't our house. Um, so God got us through that. That didn't end up happening. Um, God used our circumstances to draw us to him and teach us to be more like him. <clears throat> At one point, and you're going to think this is incredibly naive, but <clears throat> I missed a lot of Bible study because I was running around doing things, feeding my in-laws, you know, bathing, dressing, all of the things that needed to happen. Um, and then I realized I'm living my Bible study. Isn't that the point? You know, that we read scripture, we get encouragement to be strengthened to go do what we're supposed to do with the right attitude. Um, so God changes us through his, the work of his spirit, especially through our obedience in tough situations. And some days it was just a matter of obedience to get up and go, okay, I got to do this. We'll get through it. Um, then one last thing, I mean, uh, they ended up moving to, um, they had to leave their house and they went to Autumn Hills Alzheimer's facility, which is a fabulous place, by the way. My father-in-law passed away last April, but I will say that there is nothing more uh, perspective changing than being in a place like that. For one, you see how few people get family to come check on them because they're living in another town or whatever. But I also just kept thinking, this is like God's waiting room. You know, because it's the opposite of preschool. Preschool's a start. And being in a place like that, it's like it's really about dignity in moving on to heaven. Um, so that was very humbling. So it felt like an honor to be serving, really, and helping them. Um, and my mother-in-law is still there and doing as well as can be expected with uh, late-stage Alzheimer's. So anyway, I think that is all. Let me see if I had anything else. Nope, that is it. So thank you so much for listening. I hope there was some nugget of um, encouragement in there for you on where you are in your life. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kathy. Um, last, we have Vanessa Limbrick who uh, moved here just in November with her husband, Matt. They've been married for 15 years. And they have three girls. Um, she's a little crunchy, a giant bookworm, and they're currently renovating their house. And then she just summed it up with, I love coffee and desserts. So what's not to love about that? <laughs> so let's welcome Vanessa. Well, thank you for letting me speak today. Um, so Beth said, hey, you want to share for about 10 minutes? Our theme is new beginnings. And I was like, oh new beginnings, like rainbows and butterflies, and how fun. And I mentioned it to my husband. I said, she wants me to talk about new beginnings. And he goes, ah, we've had a couple of those, haven't we? And I was like, oh, yeah. Most of our new beginnings have kind of been crappy. <laughs> I mean, like, like, when I stopped to think about it, like, most of the new beginnings came from really bad endings or really hard times. And I was like, ooh, okay. But you know what? That's probably true for just about everybody, right? Um, we were both born and raised in St. Louis area, and our family is mostly there. And um, we, got, we met in college, dated off and on through college, um, got married 15 years ago. Can't believe I'm saying that. And then about 10 years ago, found out that we were expecting. We were so excited. Um, we announced to our family, we're going to gonna have a baby and they were all super thrilled because it was one of the first grandchildren and a month later we found out that my husband had cancer in his foot of all places um left foot how annoying but it was um, a fast growing um soft tissue cancer and so we went the morning of our big ultrasound to find out if we were having a boy or girl we went to the hospital found we were having a girl first girl so excited and um we drove from that hospital to another hospital to start his chemotherapy treatments. So we sat in chemo that day, first day, no idea what's going on. It was the first day for some of the nurses, too, we found out later, um, because we were with them for the next year and a half doing chemotherapy and radiation. And we sat there that first day, and we said, man, we're having a girl. What should her name be? You know, it's one of the first things you talked about. We said, you know what, I don't know what her first name is going to be, but that middle name is Hope. Hope. The hope that he would be alive to see her. The hope that there is a plan for our family. You know, we don't know what it is right now. This is a scary new beginning. This chemotherapy stuff, not fun. 
Um, but she, through the rest of my pregnancy, we got to pray for her. We got to believe in the hope that he'd be there, that he would get to experience her birth. And he was. He was. Um, he was in the middle of radiation when she was born, and so he wasn't feeling as sick as he could have been if he was in chemotherapy. And then we spent the first whole year of her life, um, a couple times a month, for a week at a time, going down and getting chemotherapy. And um, she learned to crawl in the pod where he got his chemotherapy. Um, she took naps there. It was wonderful. She was a great hope to us. And, but that was a scary new beginning. It was not something that we expected at 28 years old. It was definitely not something I asked for. But that new beginning that God gave us was an incredible opportunity for us to learn so much about our marriage, about our faith, about what we really wanted in parenting. Because, you know, before we had kids, it was all dreams. And, oh, our kid's going to be like this, and we're going to have so much fun. And then it's like, okay, this is serious business. Like, we may not have long with him as a parent to her. We got to, like, be serious. What do we want? Um, so that it changed our focus a bit. Uh, she, he finished right before her first birthday. And um, about a year later, we decided, hey, let's see if we can have more kids. You're doing really well. You're healthy. Let's do some testing and find out. And unfortunately, he was not able to have any more children. They said, no, nope, not going to happen. Sorry, got what you got. And so we were like, okay, what are our options? And so we had another new beginning of learning about fertility treatments and what that meant. And so with the hope, help of donor sperm, we were able to conceive our second child, Amelia. And her middle name is Grace because... She was our gift. She was an unexpected gift that we didn't think we were going to have, especially with Matt. Um, and so she was born. We moved. Lots of other stuff happened. And she was five months old, and his cancer came back. It was in his lung this time. And so we did surgery and six months of radiation, or of chemotherapy, excuse me, chemo that time. And um, she was our gift. And we knew we didn't expect her. It was a... Another new beginning, that second time of, of uh, cancer is a little bit scarier because, you know, the first time you kind of go, it was just a fluke. It's not a big deal. He's fine. There's no, no residual problems. Not really. And the second time it was a little scarier. Um, but that was another new beginning that God led us down. Not one again that I asked for, not one that I wanted, but he was there. And something Matt and I have kind of laughed about over the years is that, um, you know, when we got the phone call saying that he had cancer both times, God didn't—God wasn't surprised. It wasn't like I was up there, what? What? He's got cancer? No, he knew. God knew this plan for us. I mean, it wasn't a plan I wanted, but it was there, and God was with us every step along the way. We had such amazing support from family and friends. We were in St. Louis at the time. It was just exactly where we needed to be, and God took those crummy situations that— pushed us down a path of new beginnings, and he used them in ways to glorify his kingdom. I mean, Matt has said, and he will tell you, that him getting cancer was the best thing for his parenting because it has really made him focus on being present with our girls. Um, it has made him change his perspective, and for me too. Um, it has been one of the best things for our marriage, ironically, um, I had an older lady tell me um, her husband was sick as well, and we were comparing stories, and she said that when he's home, he always makes a mess in the kitchen, like in a particular spot, and it used to drive her crazy. And now every time she sees that mess, she says, thank you, God, that my husband is here to make a mess. And so every time that I pick my husband's laundry up off the floor or I, you know, wash his water bottle again because he hates washing water bottles, I, I think, thank you, God, that my husband is here to leave his water bottle on the side of the sink as a passive-aggressive nudge for me to wash it. <laughs> Thank you that he is here to do that. Um, so Amelia was born in 2012, Amelia Grace, and he finished his chemotherapy again, and we, life was going good. Life is going good. And all of a sudden, we found out, hey, we're pregnant. We did not think that could happen. Um, so we had given away all of our baby stuff. I had come to peace with not having another infant. It was, you know, a good time in our life. And then all of a sudden, I was like, um, honey, 
um, I think I'm pregnant. And this is what he did. He gave me a big hug, and he goes, I know you want to have another baby, and I know, I know you and your friends are praying about it. And, and you know, if God wants us to have more kids, he'll, he'll do that someday. And I go, no, I took a pregnancy test. I am pregnant. And this is, like, seriously, this is what he did. He, like, looked at me, and he goes, he looked at his phone, and he goes, okay, Google, how accurate are pregnancy tests? And I was like, seriously? And he goes, we got it at the dollar store. And I was like, but it's, it's legit. I'm like, I'm going to have a baby. And so he, I mean, we were just, we were thrilled. We were absolutely thrilled. And so our third daughter is Marvel, meaning miracle, and her middle name is Joy. So we have hope, grace, and joy to remind us of the steps that God has taken us down in um, building our family and changing our lives. And uh, the other ladies mentioned it as well. At the time you're going through those hard times, those struggles, like you, you can't see what God's got coming and, and you get frustrated sometimes and you think, why is this happening to me or why is this happening now? Or, or like, what is the purpose of this? It's so frustrating. And, and yet looking back on that journey, you know, you see those little pieces that God has put along the way to lead you where you are. And, and maybe you don't see that right now, um, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have a plan. Um, about, let's see, last July, um, or last June. So here, here's the deal with my husband and my pregnancies. Every time I get pregnant, he does something dramatic. I, I tell, I tease him that he won't let me have any of the, of the attention in our house because I get pregnant and he gets cancer and I get pregnant and he gets cancer and I got pregnant and I was eight months pregnant and he comes home from work and he goes, um, my husband's minister and I worked for the church part-time as children's minister and he comes home and he says, I think I need to quit my job. And it had been a, a while coming. We'd been praying about it off and on for um, some time. And we knew that God was leading us in a different direction. And here I am, eight months pregnant. And he comes home and says, I need to quit my job. I don't have another job lined up, but I need to quit this one. And I was like, awesome. Um, <laughs> I said, okay, as I'm waddling around the kitchen. Um, can I have through the 4th of July? Because, you know, I'm due in two weeks, and our big, like, uh, event for children's ministry was the 4th of July. We had a big parade in town, and anyway, I was like, let me get through the 4th of July, and, you know, because, you know, I got some things going on right now. And so he said, okay. So literally, I gave birth to Marvel at home on June 15th, and July 9th, we both resigned from our jobs. So here we are, three kids, no income. And it was another one of those new beginnings that you're like, okay, God, what you doing? I'd like to know the plan right now. Come on, I, I'm, I'm here. And he's like, oh, chill out, Vanessa. I got this. And I think that's one of the lessons that he's really taught me, or is teaching me, currently teaching me, because I have not learned it, but that I am not in control of anything. Like, as much as I want to be like, okay, here's the plan. We're going to do this, 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 and this. Guys, like, no, 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 no. I, I've got the plan, and, and you need to trust. And so a year ago, we quit our jobs. Or not quite a year ago. Uh, or two, yeah, two years ago. And then God led him to a couple different positions. It worked out fine. And then last July, uh, he got a phone call from his friend John, and he said, hey, uh, I got a position that you might be interested in in Indiana. And literally, Matt texted him back, and he was like, mm, thanks for thinking of me. We're not moving to Indiana. All of our family's in St. Louis. And he came home from at lunch, and he's like, you never guess what? John, John texted me and said he's got a job that I might want. And I said, well, you're going to talk to him? No, we're not moving to Indiana. Why would we move to Indiana? And I looked at him, and I was like, well, talk to John, you know. You've known him for years. Let's think about it. Within 24 hours, um, Matt was like, is it crazy that I'm thinking about moving to Indiana? And I was like, well, yeah, because you're crazy. But if that's God's plan, we need to be open to it. And so within, within weeks, God just had, like, lined things up. It was one of those things that it was a new beginning, and it was scary especially for my husband and me who'd have that huge support network in St. Louis with family and friends and a church we'd been part of for years and people we'd known for our entire lives. And it was scary because we th it was always the, what if the cancer comes back? What if I'm in Indiana with three kids and no family and my husband's in he doing chemotherapy again? What do we do? And God just was like, no, no, no. I knew this was going to happen. 
and I know what's going to happen. And, and your fears don't change the future. So relax, and I got this. And we moved here in November, and um, say, saying goodbye was hard. I know the other ladies mentioned moving here was not their choice necessarily, um, or their dream necessarily, uh, but it was, it was God's plan, right? And there's a reason for it, and I don't know what it is, but it's what well, we're here, and, and you're here for a reason. And he has that, that plan. And so when I look back over these last 10 years of my husband going through cancer and us moving and all these different changes, and I know that you can think back in your life about the hard times that you've been and, and maybe it's a hard time right now. Maybe you're in the middle of a, a messy ending or a new beginning that you didn't want or you didn't ask for. You are not alone. There are women here who love you. Jesus knows what's going on in your life. And all through this, through this, and I'm sure the other ladies can attest, like, it was hard. But with, with Jesus by my side, I wasn't alone. I wasn't totally afraid of the future. There were moments, but Jesus was there. And if you don't have that relationship with him, or if there's, you know, something you're still questioning, you know, you can talk to me or your table leaders or anybody on staff here. You know, new beginnings can sometimes be rainbows and unicorns and butterflies and all that, but sometimes they're really hard and really scary. And I don't want you to feel like you're alone walking through that because you don't have to be. So thank you for letting me share this morning. Um, I appreciate your laughs and attention. Well, thank you, Vanessa. Um, I just wanted to kind of echo what she said. If you um, ever have any questions about what we're about here at Sherwood Oaks or what it means to be someone who follows Christ or a Christian, I would love to talk with you more. Your table leader, your mentor mom, um, anyone that's on staff here, here would love to talk with you more. If you're going through a hard time, the same. We are here for you, and that's why we have this group. So... You have a few minutes to talk before it's time to pick up your kids, so please enjoy. <laughs> 